One of the most important facets of any business is customer service. In business, you are not only selling a product or a service, but an experience. Providing exceptional customer service and developing real relationships with your clients means increased sales, retain customers, new customers via word of mouth, and a positive reputation. You're listening to the Focus on Customer Experience Podcast. Podcast. Benjamin Del Grosso gives you the ins and outs of one of the most underlooked aspects in business today. Improve your customer service and watch your business skyrocket. Two, one. Benjamin Del Grosso. Hello and welcome to the show. Today we have Erin Vale. Um, she's got some wicked Jeep accessories and she's in the salon industry. So Erin, why don't you uh, give us a little bit of an introduction of who you are, where you're located and what you do. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Erin Vale. I am a salon owner of Trendu Salon and Spa. We are located out in Western Iowa. So it's actually in a small town, Iowa, but we do so well as a, as a company. And then, um, like you were saying, I am also part owner in a Jeep aftermarket company called Tracktop. So I would say more my, my bread and butter is the, the beauty industry, but the Jeep industry is so much fun too. So, um, but yeah, like the, the salon world, I've been with in the beauty industry for several years, own my salon about a year now. And, um, you know, the, the things that we focus on are our clients, but then the company culture first and foremost. So it's fun how you, uh, you know, as you really put and look at your your company culture how much that that ripples into your client experience and i know that's like really like the point of of these podcasts is that the customer experience so you know if you can create a team or excuse me take your team and create a culture that's nurturing and offers growth and um, their own autonomy, they're going to take care of your customers. Obviously, there's going to be the expectations of what you expect as a company, but taking that, nurturing your team, like they're going to take care of your customers and it's only just going to continue to grow from there. And I've, I've seen it and it's, it's fun to just take some of those things and tweak it from the outside, um, from outside industries and, uh, you know, just, just watch us grow overall. I mean, Right now, like my team is so far booked out. Like if there's any beyond here, like as a stylist looking for a position, please find me because we we're looking for more people. <laughs> so oh, that's awesome. You know, because that, that's what they say. If you take care of your employees, your employees are going to take care of your clients. And that's that's the thing you want. You want your you want your employees to be happy. That way they'll take care of your customers. And, and that's how you build uh, raving fans for customers, right? Where they just keep coming back over and over again because they want that same experience. And occasionally yeah. they'll drop off. They'll, they might go and try something different. And then they'll, oh, you know, it wasn't the same as when we went to Aaron's salon. And it wasn't the same, you know, we didn't get that what, whatever special thing that you do, right? And y- you, have to, you have to be different. You have to stand out, right? You really do. You really do. Um, I mean, I really like can't emphasize enough how much taking care of your team means everything. And, you know, I don't put, I'm very much like a hands-off manager owner because in my mind, um, none of the people I hired, did I hire to micromanage and control every whim. I, I want them like, here's my guidance, my expectations and what I want for the company. And like, you know, obviously like what the role is and what it looks like, but I didn't hire you because I didn't trust you. I hired you because I knew that you could do the job and you could do it well. And that you could come to me if you have other ideas or ways that we can improve. So having a a growth mindset culture and just really allowing your team to just take that and run with it. And then having that open door where it's like, if you come to me with an idea, maybe it's a real crap idea and that's fine. You know, we'll talk about that and, you know, okay, what are ways that we can like tweak that? Or maybe we can implement that right away. Or maybe it's something that we need to manipulate a little bit and apply down the road, but no idea is a bad idea. And having that 
like creates excitement within the team. So then they continue to feel like, yes, I'm going to continue to grow here. I'm going to do more things. And they have that energy and that excitement that they're going to take. And when our clients and our, our clients, our customers walk through the door for that service, you know, they, they're excited to talk to them and see them because they're in a, a nurturing environment for their own growth. And they know they're not being micromanaged. They know what their goals and objectives are, but they're not being, you know, like nitpicked at everything they do. Like they have that excitement and that energy. And so that creates such a positive overall environment. Like I am confident any one of your, your listeners have walked into a salon or, or any business, whether it's a salon or not, and just had that instant, like almost cringy feeling like, like there's something a little like not super exciting about this environment or culture. (laughs) Like you just, you can feel it. Like you can feel if the the energy is there, or it's not. So what's what I love about Arslan, even before I bought it, when I first walked in, there was just this this energy and this excitement, like, oh my God, I want to hang out with these people. And if I can feel that, you know, our clients are gonna feel that. And they're just innately just going to have that like excited energy and just want to keep coming back, you know, from welcoming your guests within the first few seconds of walking in the door and like. Hey, if you know their name, use their name. People love hearing their name. So using their name when they walk through the door, um, you know, greeting them, offering them a drink or, or whatever your, your protocols are, but really creating that initial excitement and that ongoing energy, like that's what keeps customers coming back. And it starts with having a positive, excited culture. Again, if your team's happy, your clients will be happy. So your first and foremost should be taking care of your team. I know there's like the, the saying like customer comes first, which I agree in the sense of like customer mindset, like what kind of experience can you create for the customer? What kind of positivity can you create for the customer? But I disagree in the fact that I think my team comes first and that they're happy because they're going to create that positive experience for those, those clients and customers. Like don't get me wrong. We're still going to have some, some customers that, you know, you're just going to have to break up with and that's okay. But nine times out of 10, you're going to have that positive, happy, you know, culture environment where people are just going to keep coming back. And that's, that's what we strive for. And that's because of our, our team culture. Like for us, it's like going to work with your girlfriends every day. You know, the people that you love working with and seeing every day. And that's, that's so crucial for, for our success and why we are booked so far out. I had a so I had a couple things because you brought up a, a lot of a lot of points there, which is awesome. Um, so one, uh, bringing back the good old Best Buy days when I worked there many years ago. Um, there's a little bit of a story where the regional office was visiting one of the stores in Ontario, and what happened was this girl kept on. She, they kept watching this girl go from the till, which is where you take money from people, and she kept running to the back. And then she'd come up front and she'd have like a chocolate bar or a can of pop or something like that. And most places I worked at that time in my life would have reprimanded that person. They would have said, Hey, like, what are you doing? Why are you wasting time? You're here to take money. You're here to do this. That's your job. Instead, they asked her, Hey, like what's going on? Why do you keep going? Well, she goes, well, people are always coming in here with their kids and their kids want a treat. The kids want a snack. Kids want this. So what they did, because at that point in time, Best Buy was a very much a listening culture. They were learning the Canadian market. They were very new to Canada at that point in time. They were about two, three years in or something, right? And what happened was they said, oh, why aren't we selling snacks? And basically this girl at Rep 1, which was probably like an $8 an hour job or something at that point in time, right? Basically said, you know, if we were just selling chips and snacks up here, I wouldn't have to do this. But I have to keep going back to our vending machine. Next thing you know, it was like a few months later, every single store, you know, had like full throttle and Coke and, you know, Pepsi and chips, chocolate bars. And it was all because of just listening to the employees within the company. They like, she didn't say we need to go and invest in this. She just was just, they just watched her actions. And instead of reprimanding her and saying, you're not doing your job. Right. So could you imagine? So if somebody comes into your salon and want something that you don't normally do 
and one of your hairstylists just goes and does it anyways, even though it's not on your menu or whatever, it'd be like, oh, well, people are asking for this. You know, we need to look at offering it. Let's find a price for it. Let's find a, something to do. And that's all part of just paying attention to your employees because they're not, it doesn't mean that they're going to tell you you're going, that you need to do this, but they might be doing it just by taking actions of taking care of a client, right? Absolutely. So, which is to me, it's awesome that you're talking about because that's the big thing. Like you really need to be able to listen as an owner or as a manager to your team and what they're doing. Right. Completely agree. So, yeah, we did something similar with that. Um, I had two girls on my team um, come to me this last summer and had said that, you know, they really wanted to look at start starting to do microblading. So now for anybody that's not familiar with microblading, microblading is essentially um, tattooed eyebrows, like permanent eyebrows. And it is a growing industry and or growing piece in our industry. And it was not on my radar whatsoever. Not even like a blip, a thought. I mean, I would see it through social media, like that looks cool, but it was never like, could we do that? So having those two girls come to me um, and like, when I say come to me, like, don't, don't come to me with a problem without a solution, come with a solution or an idea. And then how that idea can be implemented or it, like at least have like some raw, like rough draft of what that looks like. You don't have to have it perfectly written out what it looks like, but you know, for them, much like, you know, the girl at the candy bar, she just like, she took action. She just made it happen. These two girls came to me and they're like, we really want to do microblading. We, you know, we hear it from our customers I don't hear from the customers. I'm not, you know, I wasn't in that position and they had already found uh, a place that we could learn, like they could go to school from what the tools were, what the resources we need were looked at it like, okay. And so now we'll be, um, they've gone through the schooling, they've done their, their models. And so now we're going to be implementing it in the salon um, next month. So it's, you know, just that same thing, like listen to your, your, your customers and your, your team. Like you have to have faith and trust in your team. Again, you, you didn't hire them because you didn't trust them. You trusted, you hired them because you could trust them to do more and bring more to you. And then you, by having that trust, um, creating that trust for your team to come to you, like that just opens up so many doors because they see the bigger vision for the company and they want the company to succeed. And by doing so, then they're going to come with more ideas and solutions that, I mean, you can only come up with so much. You can only see so much because your your obligations are so many different ways. So having that, you know, it's huge. So like, it's cool that Best Buy did that. And it was just by someone just seeing an opportunity and, and implementing that oh, and yeah. leading by action. You know, she didn't just, it wasn't like, hey, we need this and just whined about it. She came with the solution and she was making it happen. And, you know, they Best Buy capitalized on it. I mean, like I've gone to Best Buy and bought a soda as well when I'm checking out too. So like, you know, that, that ripple effects just continued. Oh yeah, that's exactly it. So um, I think it's great that you're talking about investing in your staff, investing in your team, because I mean, I've left a lot of places because I'm just not learning anything anymore and they're not willing to invest in any kind of learning. And I've always felt that you lose a lot of really good employees because they don't want to stay stagnant. Right. Correct. And I, I had a, like, I had a, a conversation with a client um, about two weeks ago now. And I remember saying to him, he goes, how much, because I, he, he was asking me about my, what, you know, what's your values of the company and, you know, you know, are, and then he says, are you trying to find other technicians? I said, no, I'm going to build technicians. He goes, oh, that's great. That's smart. He goes, you, you need to invest in people. Don't hire people that already know it. And he goes, do you know how much my company invested in me over the last 40 years? And I said, I, I don't know. I figure he's going to say, you know, nothing or, or it's going to be like 10 grand or something. He goes, a million dollars. I'm like, incredible. what? He goes, oh yeah. He goes, anytime there's training, anytime there's this, they just kept doing it. He goes, yeah. but, but he's like, the thing is, if they didn't, how are we going to get these big contracts? How are we going to get all this? We needed to show all the certifications, constantly learning. And this is a guy that's like building bridges, right? Yeah. So, you know, but, but he's just talking about how, and, and him and I just had a great conversation about it, how you have to invest in your employees. Cause if you don't, they're not going to stick around. The good ones won't. And he goes, that's why I still have people that have been there 30, 40 years working in my company because we invested in them. 
over and over and over again. And he goes, I have so many long-term, he goes, you know, there are people that do come and go because sometimes the culture is just not for them. But if you don't invest in them, they're not going to stick around. And if they do, if you don't allow them to learn from their mistakes, they're not going to stick around. And I mean, it still blows me away. Like, uh, and that's how I know like Arate and Andy Frisella really uh, resonate with me because when he was doing his Q and a, and some guy wrote in saying, Hey, this, this guy made this massive mistake, massive mistake to the company. And, you know, it's going to cost me lots, but he's been with the company like 10 years, you know, I'm looking at firing him kind of thing. Right. And, and he's like, but the guy's made no prior mistakes. He's been a great employee for you. And yeah. looking at firing this guy, because guaranteed you go hire somebody new, it's going to cost you how many hundreds of thousands of dollars to train them, get them up to the same speed as them. And then because they didn't make that mistake, they're probably going to make that same mistake again. So let's say it even cost you a million dollars. It's going to cost you like 1.5 million now with all the training and everything and getting them up lost sales because you now you don't have that you have a new employee coming in and he says just use it as a learning experience and i was like man it, it's funny how uh, alike we think <laughs> even though yep. i'm not like i don't have a big company like he does but it's like because right. i always feel that you have to give the employee the chance to learn now if they continuously keep making the same mistake well then you know it's time for them to move on but that's a whole different conversation right right but I think that's awesome. But uh, let's, I guess let's move on here. Um, what was your most? Do you have to say something real quick okay, sure, with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because I think that that's something, I mean, I worked in corporate America for so many years and would hear it through some of the small businesses that I worked with that, you know, there was this fear of having to invest all this money into an employee. And it's like, yeah, but what if they take that and leave? Okay, well, sure. What if they do leave? That's fine. But could you afford for them to be the same type of employee during that time that they worked with you? Or could you grow that employee, you know, watch your company evolve and grow through what they've learned and they, their growth? And if they leave, okay, cool. Like you've just, you've, business owners, managers, et cetera, should never think like what, like all about me, me, me. Like it's, it is a real privilege and opportunity to, help someone grow, continue to evolve, you know, watch the company grow in return, have that ROI with it, but then also see that growth of that employee so much so that they have so much strength and faith in themselves to do something like take that knowledge and skill set. Maybe, maybe they do take it somewhere else. That's okay. But it really is important that, that you grow your employees because if you don't grow your employees, you don't invest in them. Well, your, your company's not going to grow. It is so crucial for that that like give back and thanks. And I mean, could your company afford to have uh, a bunch of newbies the entire time that you're in business? No, you have to continue to grow and cultivate your employees. And if they leave, that's fine. That's a risk that, that you take as an owner, but at least you help them grow as individuals. And through that, there's that ROI that the company grew with it. It's just, it's worth it. Like you can't, think about like, oh, they're going to leave me. <laughs> so like if they leave, they leave. They're, they're probably not leaving because of that training alone. They're leaving for other reasons. Maybe it's family. Maybe it has nothing to do with you as a company and they truly love the industry, but maybe they've got like health related things or they're, they've started family or, or whatever. Maybe somebody moved. It doesn't matter. But during that time, you know, you really have to, to continue to push and educate. Like you said, that person had a million invested in him. That's huge. More companies should be investing much like we do in our own personal development and growth. You should be helping guide and lead your team because maybe they don't know, maybe they don't know where to look for those resources or how to get that knowledge. And we're, I mean, within this group, we're obsessive about learning and personal growth. Well, why would we take that information and not grow our employees? Like it is our responsibility. And again, there's a real ROI with it. If you, uh, continue to push your employees and continue to grow with them. Yeah, no. Um, so now, now I got to add more. <laughs> so, <laughs> Sorry, I know it wasn't really the direction, but oh, no, I just fine. like, I this hate is, listening to companies say like, I don't want to, you know, this I don't is... want to invest because what if they leave me like that makes my skin crawl, like quit being so selfish and help them grow. Like you're not going to grow as a company anyway, if you don't, right? Like it's a double-edged sword. There's, there's a guy I know in the industry. Mm-hmm. He has like a three to five day onboarding. So they, they have a very aggressive, like not very aggressive approach to, to, uh, 
the interview process in terms of like they'll they'll have little things in the notes for when you apply that if you don't even do it you're literally your resume is thrown out like instantly right but once you get in and you've gotten through all this and the three interviews and blah 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 there's like a five day like a three to five day onboarding process of this is our mission this is our vision this is our values this is our processes procedures this is how we do everything and what they do is at the end of that week they bring the employee in and they have a check with $10,000 with their name on it. They go, if this isn't for you, here's the $10,000 check. You can leave. Or if this is for you, you can go back, you can go out in the field and start. And he says, the reason why he does that is because if that person goes out there and isn't the right fit for your company, guess what? It's going to cost you more than $10,000 in the long run. And I was like, that's crazy. Like you just write a $10,000 check. I mean, that's what he's, that's what he says. Right. But if you think about it, I got a friend who works at a, uh, at a company, a very big company that has people that haven't been doing their job for two plus years. Right. And these big companies are worried about getting sued. So instead of getting rid of them, they allow all the other employees that are working under these managers to just keep quitting and they just keep rotating staff when they could have just fired this person probably paid him, you know, six months wages, probably kept retention, hired somebody or promoted someone internally that the staff respect and, you know, continue going on. Instead, they're just going to keep rotating through people in these departments. And then you have constant onboarding, constant training, which is going to cost you way more than it would have been ever firing that one person. And I mean, I, I was the point, uh, one of one of our jobs, we literally had one of our top employees basically write his letter saying he's done because he can't work for this guy anymore. I'm done with this. I can't put up with it anymore. I'm done. And finally, the owner's like, okay, we're transferring him to the other store. So instead of firing this person, right, they just transferred him to the other store, made him someone else's problem, which I don't agree with either. But that's the problem is you know, don't make it someone else's problem. You got to, you got to take care of your employees. They're saying something. This person is not helping the team uh, get further along. And overall you have to look at the big picture. And and a lot of these companies aren't looking at the big picture. They're just looking at, Oh, you know, it's going to cost me a a month's wage to get rid of this person or it's going to, you know, going to cost me three months pay or whatever, whatever it ends up being because they're a long-term employee. Well, that long-term employee a lot of times has bad habits that isn't being corrected. And then it's rubbing off on the new staff. And now the new staff are, are saying, well, why should I do the job? Because that person's not listening. Right. Which then rubs off on your customers. Cause now it looks like you don't care. Yeah. And it's the whole big ripple effect of everything. And because what ends up happening is you just have a customer, let's say he's a longtime customer or, or woman or whoever comes in that day they want to buy something and they've been coming there for let's call it seven years or something, which would make up a random number. And now all of a sudden they got this complete crap customer service and they're like, what the, what happened to this place? And then the Google reviews come out of, you know, I've been shopping here for years, never had such a terrible experience here, blah, 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 you know, and it'll be something dumb. Like, um, you know, person's complaining about the manager and the installer and blah, 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 to a customer. Right. And then that gets written. Now it's on your Google reviews. And then someone else comes in and complains. Now all of a sudden it's like, Whoa, downward slope. All because this one employee there that's pissing everybody off. is just creating yep. a negative atmosphere. And, yep. and, and nobody, nobody really seems like, sorry, a lot of business owners don't seem to understand it. They just look at it like, yeah, but that person sells a million dollars a year. And when they yeah. sell a million dollars a year, I make a hundred thousand dollars off of it. Instead of looking at, you know what, maybe you hire somebody else and maybe you only sell 800,000 a year. And maybe you don't make your hundred thousand, make me make a little bit less, but guess what? All your customers will be happy. And now long-term success, your employees will be happy. It's going to be a positive atmosphere. And then it's going to balloon into something a lot a lot better. I agree. I feel like that was always, has always been the issue is that people look at, it's not always, but a lot of times it can be your top performers where maybe there's a sense of, of ego or arrogance or, or whatever the case may be. And the owner manager, their backbone is just broke. Like they don't have that backbone to just say like enough's enough. Like 
uh, you're a cancer in this, this company that that's taking others down. And yeah, you might be the top performer. You might make the most money, but you also create the most chaos and havoc and watch, (laughs) you know, watch the other people flourish, like, like a field of flowers, if you will, if you're just nurturing them, right. Like, yeah, maybe you take a divot for a little bit, but then you've got, we'll just say 10 other people that are just going to grow like crazy. And what that one person was making now is tenfold because all these other people are now like, they're not worried about that negative energy and that toxicity and, and it ripples through everything. Like it is a long-term game. Nobody's in business to just, I mean, well, a lot of people are in this like just quick buck, but that's not the way it goes. Like you have to think about long-term and you know, what do you want your business to look like down the road? And your Google reviews are big, but like, you know, your clients are big, your, your team's big, but it's really like, if you've got one bad egg, like acknowledge it, work with it. If that can't change, if that's not changing, it is simply not worth the other negativity that it draws in your, your company. Because are, do you enjoy walking into that as the owner? Like, do you enjoy being around someone that's got that kind of that energy and, and negativity like, no. So I would, everybody else, their peers want to sit with it. You just have to, as an owner, as much as it sucks and it's cringy and it's like, ugh, I just want to like confrontation avoidance, like buck up and deal with it. Like you just have to deal with that, that negative, like that person that's bringing the others down and I'm sorry, fix the situation or it's been awesome working with you, but this can't go on. Oh yeah. You know? like that's the thing, right? You, you, you want to be in a healthy environment, but you also don't want like an employee holding a, you know, a shotgun to your head saying, you know, I want to run this way. Well, no, 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 that that's a whole different discussion. Like you're not the business owner. This is the direction the company's going in. Right. So yeah, I've, I've seen lots of employees over the years, but yeah, I just, I've never understood that whole thinking and I've had to do, you know, like the big thing I, here's the big thing I always say in business. So I've had, you know, managers come up to me and say, we need to fire these two people. They're negative. All they're doing is causing problems. Da, 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 da. And then I have to sit down with that manager and say, Hey, let's take a look at the big picture here. You're their leader. Yep. What, what is it that you're maybe possibly doing to create that environment? Right. Yep. And, and then they'll give me, and occasionally, you know, a lot of times it, they do the whole, um, we just need to fire these people. Like they need to go. I said, okay, well, that's fine. I'll go down there. I'll fire them right now. Can you do the amount of work that they can do? Well, no, you just need to hire new people. So you're not willing to even pick up the tools and do the work that they do. Well, no. Like, so you want me to fire them and then you want me to solve the problem when you're the boss. Yeah. I think think, um, having a problem and coming to me with a solution, you can have you can have a problem, but you better have a solution too. And you better have gone through like channels of um, coaching and, and working with that employee at that point. And if it's, you know, it is what it is at the end of the day, then it is what it is at the end of the day, but you better have invested time and then have a solution to the problem that you're presenting. Yeah, no, like, like I've fired salespeople and then myself and the assistant manager have had to pick up the slack. We got, we got yep. sales goals. We got five or six or seven or eight technicians in the back and they need, they got families to feed. So we got to, we got to make sure to hit the sales goals. And, and it's funny, you know, because some of the customers do the whole, I was dealing with the manager. Like, you know, like, <laughs> like you know, like, wow. Like, yeah. no, no, that's yeah. still, no choice. <laughs> right? yeah. like, you know, we got to work extra hours now to get all the other stuff that we always have to get done during the day too. Right. So, but yeah. it, it's hard to make that decision, but I always find, you know, everybody always does that whole, like, where am I going to find another, you know, hairstylist? Where am I going to find another salesperson? Where am I going to find another manager? Well, you know, I always find that you don't even need to put a job listing out for some weird reason within a week or two weeks after that person's gone, someone magically shows up. I, I, I don't even know where it comes from. It doesn't, you don't even have to put the job listing out. Just some magically shows up and it always just works itself out. And yep. I, I don't, <laughs> I can't even explain it. <laughs> I completely agree. It always does. Everything always works out and I mean, think of all the hardships that you've gone through throughout your life, whatever they may be personally, professionally, financially, whatever. They've always worked themselves out. Every single one of them has worked themselves out. So same thing there, you know, like you have a loss of employee, someone magically appears 
I mean, we're like experiencing that at the salon. Like we've had, you know, we've had some people start coming into our salon that, you know, want to work with us. And it's like, where the heck have you been? Like, who, where'd you come from? But like, yes, please come join our team because you've got the right energy and the vibe. I mean, that's again, first and foremost for us as cultures is number one. So, and then we can, we can teach, we can teach anything, but I can't teach personality, work ethic and how you fit in as a culture. Yeah. That makes sense. So. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Let's see here. Uh, what, I mean, I'm just going to jump around to some questions here. Perfect. When you look around at the world today, what has stood out to you as the biggest change in how we interact as customers? Um, a lot more online, like ease and convenience. Uh, you know, even in, we were talking at our last team meeting, uh, when I have team meetings and I, I've got like a real big point in principle I'm trying to get behind, I always ask the, the team first about like their actions, habits, and rituals, right? So, um, you know, we've, we've noticed in our, our in-salon retail purchases are down, but before I was even going to bring that up, I asked them like, hey, where do you do most of your shopping now? Online, you know, every, everything's online. Okay, well, like that is pivoting us to do more e-commerce on our in our salon but then even like um booking appointments where do people book appointments now like it's almost like the um the concept of even picking up the phone and talking to a human is just like the scariest thing you know people are just so comfortable with just being on their phone getting it done quick not having to talk to someone and just going about their day so you know we're going to be implementing booking appointments online because it's just it's easy like some people just don't want to talk to other people and that's okay i'm not going to push it but like, um, I mean, if you look at like the, the food service industry, <clears throat> like you've got, what is it? Um, open table or, um, I mean, you've there's, got those yeah. skip the dishes yeah, like and, that, and there's, there's like or whatever it is. Yeah. <laughs> all of it. Like everything is just going to more digital platforms. So if you're a service-based industry, like we are, you have to look at ways that you can evolve, um, in providing services. Like, obviously like people can't just I mean, I guess you could, but like, you don't want to go home and just color your hair and expect the same kind of results that you can. But as an industry, like we have to look at ways that we can pivot and match where our customers are doing their shopping, where they're doing their booking, where their needs are. Like maybe, um, I mean, we're going to be looking at different styling education tips. Cause even though you can go online and you can watch videos on YouTube on how to curl your hair or straighten your hair or use a product or whatever there's a certain sense of comfort with the the people that they already know and so being able to provide you know online training and education on like how do you use like our like our Embody line which helps with with hair thinning or how do you use our our curl products which helps with curling or hairsprays or like you know it's we're we're looking at ways that we can focus on customers on a digital platform because that's where where everyone's at and where they're going and spending their time. And so I feel like that's been the, the biggest change overall. And if you're stuck with, with thinking like, well, people are still just going to come in because we're a business and they like us. I get that, but they also like convenience. And they also have like, they say their life's getting is busy. Like there's what 2020 taught us is there's so much value in connections and being with with people you love or, you know, because maybe you've missed that time. So they're not, they're not going to waste their time going and doing something when it's simply like get online, order it quick, book it quick, whatever. And then go about to your, your spouse, your loved ones, your children, your grandparents, your cousins, your friends, whatever, like whoever that may be, you know, maybe it's your dog and your cat, like that's fine too. But you know, people are, are really, they're focusing their attention more on that connection with the people they care about and less about like those nuances of having to go and do something. So the making the convenience and ease of that digital platform is really where I've seen, especially in our world shift. But then when I say it as a whole, like most of the things I do is, is digital anyway, like where I book or buy or do things is, is on a digital platform. Oh yeah. No. So like yesterday I had a client, she, uh, he emails me saying, um, you know, he's interested in getting a dash camera, but he's not sure which one he wants. And I always send out like, this is like our laundry list of the top popular ones. Right. 
And he's like, well, I'm looking at this one or this one, but which one's better? And I give like a little list, but have you watched our YouTube video? Right. Mm -hmm. And it compares all of them together and shows the video quality, shows the feature set, everything, you know, and then he emails me again. Hey, you know, my vehicle's like a hybrid, you know, you know, is it going to do this? Is it going to do that? And then I'm like, I forwarded him again because I'm on the road doing installations. And basically I sent him a whole thing saying, here you go. Here you go. Um, you're looking at, here's our blog, read our blog or watch the video on doing electric vehicles and hybrids. And boom, there you go. He watched the video, read the blog. He's like, man, there's so much information on your website. And it's always me talking because I found, I just keep evolving the business. And I found that so many people are getting to that point where they say they're too busy to even make a phone call that now I'm just making a video. Oh, they call and they ask me this question. I'm going to make a video about it. Oh, they call and ask me that question. I'm going to make a video about it. And that's all I keep doing. Just keep making videos so that they see me. No, and you build up that whole no like and trust, right? Yep. And then, and then flukishly, I'm the same guy answering the phone right now because I need to hire employees here, hopefully in the next few months, <laughs> right? And then, but but all of that is all happening and evolving, right? Yeah. And but that's the thing, like if you're not making videos already, definitely make videos. I can't believe how much success I'm getting, and and this is all because when I finished 75 hard, I just went on this like crazy um rant of uh making videos and start to make youtube videos like crazy so yeah i agree um you said something that i was gonna piggyback off of oh sure uh you know when i when we when we think about learners and um you know how how you learn things too so much of like what you go through in school is all like a visual visual or auditory learner, but the majority of the population is a kinesthetic learner. I don't actually have the stats on that, but like, you know, people like this, like see, touch, feel like they, they'd rather get their hands in on it and be walked through. If you were to just send like this template of like instructions or a slideshow of instructions, like, like that's so disingenuine for starters. And like, how are you going to read that and know exactly what to do? Like being able to see those videos, like you're creating or even having the product with them, you know, if able to, um, really gets them to fully understand like mechanics behind it or which one in your case, like is going to fit better on this hybrid vehicle, seeing, touching, feeling versus, you know, just sending a list of instructions. Like there's, there's a lot that goes to, um, understanding the different types of learners, uh, to really grow your, your business and sell your product too. Yeah. 100%. Uh, let's, let's jump on here though. What is one thing you do or have done to provide a positive experience? You've probably already uh, like tackled a lot of this already, but let's see. Um, so for me, I, you know, I've got a ton of things that, that I'm doing as the owner, as, as all of us do, but I do uh, like to get down and say hi to our clients and customers, you know, when I'm in the salon and, um, you know, just thanking them for their, their time and coming in and, and just making that personal. Sometimes I'll sit down and chat with them and, uh, you know, hear about what they've got going on in their life or talk to them about their hair, their services, you know, just having some one-on-one it's, it's not all the time, but sometimes, um, during the, the holidays, uh, I uh, took a list of our top 100 clients, send them a Christmas card, wrote a personalized note thanking them for, um, for their services and, and wrote a couple other things and threw some product samples in there as well. And the amount of times like since then that I've had customers like, Aaron, thank you so much. I've got your Christmas card. That was so sweet of you. And like, you know, they just those extra little steps to show like, well, we, we genuinely care. Um, you know, another thing that, that I guess I would do, I know you said one, but like oh, another thing that we do is like, I genuinely care about the community. Like I don't live in the community where my salon is, but I genuinely care about the community that my salon is in. And so we do, um, like different things to give back. Like, uh, like this last holiday season, we sponsored, 
I don't know, six different families where we went shopping. But as a team, what was important to me was I didn't want to just go send money or just buy like some gifts, just me going and doing it. I had my team go with me and we did some shopping for these families, but where that rippled in was like, the girls were so excited to just talk about it later and like how we gave back to these families and like feel that, that energy. And it just, you know, like, it's one thing like your community is so crucial, whether you're, um, like you're a service-based industry, like we are, or you uh, export your goods outside of all, you know, around the U S like there's a certain responsibility in your community to really make your community feel good because you're employing people from the community. You see people in the community. So really being involved in the community. Um, and then even like standing for a bigger mission. I mean, like our, um, if you think about the, the different generations, so like I would say halfway through millennials through younger are really focused on how they can give, like, they're not just like, they don't want to just go to work just to go to work. They want to go, go to work, but work for a company that has a bigger cause. And we've been sharing that within your community on what that, what that cause is and how you're, you know, them coming in and supporting you is also supporting others. Like there's this big, um, I don't know, like this, this big feedback with it, but then they look to you for it. So it's, um, I guess just really being involved for me, being involved with my clients, but then also being involved in a bigger mission and, and the community has been two big or a couple of big things that, that I've done that, you know, isn't like an immediate feedback or isn't an immediate like return but there's been this gradual ripple where it's like you're seeing it because people believe it and they see that through your actions. And then they're like, they're, they're all part of this now. So then also, like I said, getting down and talking with your customers because they're the reason why you're in business. You should be chatting with your, your customers and clients and, you know, to the best that you can. Yeah. That's awesome. I think that's great. Giving, I mean, that's one thing I haven't done is give back to the community in terms of like that. But I mean, I'm also under two years, this business. Mm -hmm. So uh, I know it's something that I need to look at doing. Uh, I know I've worked for a few other organizations that have done stuff for the community, but I don't, it used to be a very big thing back in the day. Um, yeah. So I, I definitely need to look at that. So you, you've given me some insight there of things I need to look at taking action on. Yeah. Well, even like a cause that's important to you. Like, I mean, we've got our causes and I mean, I can be transparent with it. Like we, um, we're beginning our work with, um, people that have been rescued from, from human trafficking and being able to provide hair makeover, like, you know, do hair color and cuts for them in ways that, you know, they feel better about themselves. Well, we're able to do that because our customers come in and like, they know through, their, you know, purchases and getting their services done that they're helping someone that they never, they never met, but they're making a big impact on. And so it's just like, we're small in this, this venture yet, but I know it's going to continue to grow. And it's, it's a bigger mission that I have, but then like my team seeing that, I mean, there's, there really has been that, that ripple effect, knowing that we're doing something bigger than beyond ourselves. And I mean, it doesn't take like, a ton of capital to be able to do that. Sometimes it's just like uh, going and volunteering somewhere or just being present because then the community sees you and then they want to support you and help you. Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's great. Personally, I got to yeah. figure out, I guess what, uh, <laughs> what resonates with me and I had all sorts of different ideas going through my head. I'll have to add it onto the whiteboard, the magic whiteboard of <laughs> things to take action on. Right. Yeah, for sure. So is there a book you've read that has influenced your life? I am a diehard Audible listener. So um, <laughs> I really loved, um, so a couple of them that really stand out is uh, the Tim Grover ones, um, his Relentless and then Winning. Oh. Like he's just phenomenal. And then um, also, yep. I love that. And I haven't then you read have it yet, listen. but I you got haven't? it. Oh my gosh, you got to get on it. I got like, like six books or something here. I got to start reading. Oh, I do too. I totally get it. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I love listening to audiobooks, um, whether it's drive time or even at the gym. Like, I just love listening to it. Um, 
but yeah, uh, Relentless and then his next book, Winning, is another one off that. So both very good books. But then also like for anybody that's really trying to understand like their financials or money management or what that looks like, uh, maybe on an investment side, but listening to Robert Kiyosaki's uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, I mean, he's got different like tears, but it really opened my eyes like when I was working for corporate America and what that actually looks like as a business owner. So really understanding the differences. And I mean, I think, unfortunately, unless you're like got phenomenal parents or phenomenal education and you really, really love getting into finances and investing, um, there's not enough education around personal finance and too many people live paycheck to paycheck or paycheck to the week before paycheck, if they're getting paid bi-weekly and really learning and seeing um, you know, some of the financial strategies that he has even on a smaller scale or, um, the richest man in Babylon. I mean, that one's basically about paying yourself first. So I would say like those couple books were, were really great for me. I mean, I could honestly give you a list of like 30 more, but you know, yeah, that's, those you know, what? that really stood out. It's, it's a big problem nowadays. You know, I'm 41 years old. And we've been talking about this for, I swear, 25 years now. Why are they not teaching kids in school how to manage their money? You know, oh, yeah. what it's going to cost to buy a house, what the reality of is that, you know, especially right now with this inflation we have going on up here in Canada. I mean, the average yeah. house is something like six or seven hundred thousand dollars. I, you know what? Like, how are you ever going to afford that? Right. How much money, you know, realistically, how much money do you have to have it saved in the bank just to have a down payment? How are yeah. you going to do that when you start your first job? Right. Yep. That putting them into that mindset of, of even saving money. Cause I can tell you when, when I came out of school, it was like, I made a thousand dollars over the last, over these two weeks. What am I going to blow that money on? Yep. Right. You know, yeah. like, let's go party. Let's go buy alcohol. Right. It yep. was never like, you know, let's go put it into RRSPs or let's go, um, let's put $200 aside every single month uh, because sooner or later I'm going to have to buy a car. Or, well, I already had yep. a car, but you know what I mean? Or I'm going to buy a house. Yep. Or, but there, there was never that mindset in school where, where they're supposed to be educating us. And, um, and you know, I, I've actually recently noticed that maybe I shouldn't be blaming the school system maybe i should be looking at myself as a parent you know yep. our son is 11 now and maybe we're going to take the time to start showing him money and showing him stuff about how the business is managed and how, yep. what that's going to take because i figure we need to do that instead yep. of just pointing and blaming similar to how we talked about earlier on the podcast right come to me with a solution so i looked yep. at it as go for however many years I've been complaining about this saying, you know, the school's not doing this, the school's not doing this. Yep. And now I'm going, you gotta fix it. well, the solution is I'm a parent and I have two kids. So maybe my wife and I need to start, you know, educating. And my wife's yep. like, yeah, that makes like, makes sense. Like, why are we, why are we waiting for the school <laughs> system to do it? Right. 100%. Yeah. I mean, I've got, um, so I've got four kiddos, uh, two that will be 17 here real soon. And then an almost 12 year old and a 10 year old. And my 17 year olds, like I've had this big, like, Oh my God, they're gonna leave me. Like, do they know how to, I mean, they've been like doing all the other like cooking and cleaning and stuff like that for years, but financially, like the last thing I want them to do is leave and then go and blow money. So, you know, even through their jobs, like they're true workhorses, but they, they see like how you spend money and what you do and how as long as you talk freely about it, like, I feel like far too many households, um, financial conversations are almost like taboo and don't talk about how much somebody makes or what they do with their money. Well, how the heck are your children supposed to learn? Or even like, maybe it's not even children, but maybe friends that just don't know or peers or employees or whatnot. So like my kids, like part of their, it's non-negotiable, but part of their, um, their check every month or every pay period goes into a portion of savings. And we talk about that and we talk, um, openly about like what inflation rate was this year and what that, like, if you had a dollar last year, what does that dollar mean this year? And it, I mean, it doesn't mean less than it's substantially less than right. 
And, you know, when it comes to investments in like, is it smarter to put your money in the, in a savings account where you might have like 0.05% interest, or is it better to take a portion of that and put it into a liquid investment account once you're 18? So, um, you know, just teaching them a little bit more about that. So that way they don't make the same financial mistakes that I did because I didn't have that education. But then on the employee side, like, you know, unfortunately not everyone is in that mindset because again, they just don't know of like how, how to spend their money, save their money. So one of the first things I did when I, when I started bought the company was I created, um, the option of 401ks, um, Roth IRAs, whatnot for them, knowing that it was like that first step for them and to start to teach financial money management. Cause like, I, I'm sure that they're not saving what they should or investing what they should. So, yeah, I mean, to your point, like it is again, back on us as parents to, to talk about, you know, financial, you know, literacy and what that looks like. So, you know, even giving them, if they want to listen to one of those books, like they've got uh, Robert Kiyosaki's got one for teenagers, like that. I mean, grant your, your kiddo is not quite a teen, but, you know, seeing like how to save money, invest money. I mean, that's, like the school can only do what the school can do, but at the same time, like it, like we are our children and our employees' biggest like leaders and and mentors. Like they see us, and like we have to lead by example and teach. And like I, I think it's stupid to like be so closed mouthed about um, financials because that literally can put someone in a really good spot, or it can put them homeless. And so I would much rather you know teach them those tools and ways to, to can you to continue to create um generational wealth for themselves yeah hmm. so awesome. went on a tangent there but i like oh, so no, awesome. passionate about that so i mean just don't want to see my my family fail and when i know that they could succeed if we just have that conversation yeah that's that's the thing right and you know i guess that's why we're in in the group that we're in is because we're action takers right yep. and uh, I mean, there's a lot of people out there that don't take action. I worked at so many different places where we'd, we'd have this meeting and we talk about it. You know, we talked about doing e-commerce and having a professional website. Oh man, I think it was 10 years ago at this one company that I worked at. I've been gone there from there five years now. Right. And I was there when we, we were getting, we were getting estimates, getting everything. They still aren't doing e-commerce they still don't have content on their website. They've hired professionals that have told them, you know, you need to get content. They've had all these people tell them you need to get content. They still don't have content on their website. It it blows me away that people don't tend to understand it. I'm two years in and I have more content than people have been in business for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. And I'm I'm under two years into the game. But you really have to take action and you have to... I don't know, invest, learn. And I don't know, I guess I'm going on a tangent now. Yeah, but I'm I'm with you. You got to take action. You got to take action. And and you know what? You're going to learn through your failures. Oh, for sure. At the same time, I've done plenty of things wrong. But guess what? I've learned from it. But you know what? Maybe it cost me $500 here. Maybe it cost me a thousand bucks here. But you know what? I still learned what I did wrong. And now I know so that when I hire an employee to go do that job now, I'm going to know what I did right, what I did wrong, and I can teach them so that they can do it yep. correctly. Yeah, and, for sure. But um, fix, it, fix it, forget it. Just do it. You got to you gotta execute. Like it's something to just, it's one thing to just sit and like plan and strategize. But at some point you're going to take that plan and strategy with you to the grave. So it, You've, you've only got this, this finite amount of time on earth. You really, I'd say one of my biggest fears is looking back and living a life that I regretted out of, out of fear or uncertainty or whatever the case may be. Obviously like my first one's like something happening to my kids, but beside that, like I have such perpetual fear of like, if I didn't do something because I was scared of it, or I, I just didn't do it because, or like I had all these great plans, but I didn't do it. Like what was the point of planning? If you weren't going to execute, you got to do it. And if you fail, you fail, like whatever, but maybe you failed better than where you were before. And that's okay. Like you just, you have to execute and you have to understand that, you know, um, your death is inevitable. So don't, 
don't let it, you continue to think that tomorrow will give you a second chance. You just like, maybe it's a small step today. Maybe it's creating a piece of content or, and then you, maybe you post it later in the afternoon, but like eat the frog, get it done right away. Like do what you got to do. Right. So, you know, execution is, is key. Oh yeah. Um, I'm going to hit you up with one last question here. If there's one thing you could change in the entire world today, what would it be and why? Um, it'd be a kindness. Like, I wish we were in a, a kinder, kinder world. I think far too often it's easy to, you know, that we've gone to a digital platform. I think it's, it's so much easier to be, um, show your fears and be uglier behind a screen and, you know, cause hurt and pain and say things that shouldn't be said. So I think in a world of, of where we're at, kindness should be key. Like there's so many people that, um, that I remember just because of a random act of kindness that they did for me, whether it's something they said in a moment where I was like, though you wouldn't see it on the surface, but was hurting inside. They just, they said something sweet to me or they, they helped me with something, whatever it is, but kindness goes so far. And like, there, there is this return on it. Like I would much rather be known as a kind, um, human than, I don't know, like somebody that you like, Oh, it, it's Aaron. You know, I don't know. Like, you know, your kindness is, is your brand is your reputation. So I, I wish if there was one thing that we could change, it would just be kindness. And I think that that would go a lot further and a lot more giving and nurturing and gosh, wouldn't the world just be a, a better place overall. Yeah, because we have this, we live in this world right now. It's this whole court of public opinion. Um, You know, and and this, this, I I don't think I'm even going to give the example, but something happened to this professional soccer player. He did something really stupid. Like he did something really dumb. Okay. And um, so, anyways, he shouldn't have done it. He's made apologies. Yep. Like, probably 30 times already that he did it. He got caught on camera for doing it. Yep. Shouldn't have done it. He screwed up. And now it's just like this cancel culture army just keeps coming after him of, I, you know, you should fire him. He shouldn't be allowed to play soccer anymore. He shouldn't be, you know, and then like the club has to give their opinion on it. And, you know, all the sportscasters have to give their opinion on it. And the news media has to give. And it's like, and it's funny because you watch Ellen and Ellen, they talk about stopping bullying and all that stuff. <laughs> but yet what we do in society with the digital platforms is we're just like continuously bullying each other if we don't yeah. agree with it. And yeah. it's not even... I don't even think people realize that they're, that's what it is. Yeah. Right. Because if we go and deep dive into everybody's past, we're going to find something that we should never have done, never have said. Now, maybe we didn't catch it on camera. (laughs) Well, that's just it. It's like, I can guarantee that you've done, you've done something just terrible, right? Whatever it may be. I don't, I don't care. It's not my business. How do you know? But. (laughs) <laughs> well, right. I can guarantee because you're a human and you're going to exactly. make human mistakes and you're like, it's just going to happen. The unfortunate thing is like, then people get, you know, they find that this one person did something and then they get so fixated on it. It's like, have forgiveness. Okay. They had a human moment. Yeah. They effed up. They paid for it. Whatever. Do you think that they need to live a life of reprimand? Because you that toxicity that that you're creating to continue to pick and fester at that person like maybe that person has come to terms with what they did and they're they're truly trying to move on but you you are the person not you specifically but you like you the person that are continuing to bully in this this cancel culture of irrelevant people that have an opinion you are literally drinking the poison that you hope is going to kill someone else like you are causing more hurt, harm, and pain than what you're truly adding value. Like, I'm sorry. I, I would much rather, again, like the brand and reputation that I have, I would much rather have my kids see me as, you know what, that person effed up and that is what they, 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 it is what it is. That's what they did. 
but they've learned from that. They've grown from that. And what we can provide is forgiveness and understanding like, Hey, you screwed up. Okay. But it's not worth like holding on to and manifesting and continuing to blow this, this thing out of proportion because everyone screwed up in some capacity or shape or another, you know? So it's like, why, what, what value does it bring? What value do you bring by continuing to berate this one person? Guarantee nothing, nothing, you know, like let it, let it be, you know, Um, let the the consequences be what it is, but let it be in the past. Yeah. Like just be again, be kind. Like you can have, um, I think what's also frustrating is when people have differences of opinion, like you, you mentioned, like whether you're left or right or backs or not, doesn't matter because it's like, like that is your opinion. I think we've gotten so far away from like people just having their opinion or on maybe like, even like a small dog versus a big dog, who cares? Like let people have that opinion and respect them for who they are as people and move on move on, like enjoy your life. Cause it's, again, if you are so fixated on the negativity of that situation and like verbally harming that person, you're the one that's drinking the poison. You're the one that's killing yourself. Cause you're offering them so much mental real estate in that negativity that it's only harming you. You're not truly harming them. They can easily block and delete you and not give two shits about what you have to say, but you're the one that's slowly dying and then the people around you feel that. And so then you create that negative ripple effect. Yeah, no, uh, it's, it's, cause that's, that is what's going on in society today, right? We're all just <clears throat> being critics of everything. We all know better than the other person. And like you said, small dog, big dog. Well, you know, that's why in my business, I try and sell on lifestyle. I try and try and find stuff about their lifestyle and try and sell based off of that because realistically, whether you want a small dog or big dog, that could be your lifestyle. You might have a big one acre lot and you want a big dog that'll run around and I don't know, chase the crows away, away from your crops or something. I have no idea. Right. (laughs) But you know, but maybe you don't want that big dog and you still got that same field and you just like a small dog because it is a lap dog and it's on your lap and it keeps you company. Right. Who am I to tell you, no, you need to have a big dog because you have a crop and that's what you need to scare the crows away. Well, you don't care about the crows. It doesn't matter, but (laughs) you know, but like, but the thing is, is I've found myself a lot over the years where I feel like I need to tell somebody, well, this is how you do it. And now I just, you know, I still, you know, occasionally give my opinion and two cents on things. And that's just who right. I am. But I also notice that if they say, well, this is why it's like, okay, cool. No problem. I was yeah. just curious. Right. Yeah. But you know, that's the difference between having a discussion and um, I guess just arguing and having a, oh, completely this, is how it should be. this is how it should be, you know, and, and that's the whole, that's kind of how the last two years have been. The last two years have been, you know, everybody's a professional doctor. Everybody knows better than the other person. And, and, you know, I, whatever, I don't want to get in that conversation either. No, no. I mean, I completely agree. Like we just need to be respectful adults and just be kind to each other and, you know, be a respectful business owner too. Like that's like, there's no value and benefit into trash talking anybody else. There really isn't, but there's a lot of value and benefit into uplifting and pushing and supporting others so much because people gravitate towards positive energy. Like they, they want to be part of that. And I think, you know, to bring it back to my team and company, like we push and support others and, you know, that positive culture and environment. And like, that's what people are drawn to. Like they want to be drawn towards people that make them feel good. So yeah, like there's, there's literally no value in just the negativity and being cruel or saying crass things like just be a kind human. And I promise the ROI is immense on that. So I used to work for the, with this guy and he had this saying sales is a transfer of positive energy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, it really and, is. And I've had a lot of people have said that uh, have said that and reused it over the years. And he, the guy was like a really good salesperson person and he was really good at relating and talking to customers uh, i'm not sure where he is now i don't talk to him anymore but yeah that that was his saying which is yeah. awesome 
do you have any final words, final thoughts or anything? I mean, this like crazy fire <laughs> brainstorm session basically we had, it was, yeah, for sure. No, this has been a lot of fun. And I mean, I would say in closing, you know, when it comes to, cause the core of this was really customers and, um, you know, the, how your, how your customers are feeling and retaining customers, it really does go back with developing and, and cultivating your team and having that, that positive team and, um, environment. And that, that starts with you and, who you are as a leader and how you are showing up for your team, the expectations you have, but then keeping the autonomy for, for your team to continue to grow and evolve and trusting that, that they will do the things that they need to. I, um, one other thing that we do in the slot, well, in my salon is that um, the schedule is, is fluid. Like, you know, get your clients in when you can get your clients in. I also understand you have a family or something happens. So giving people the flexibility to, to make their schedule as long as work gets done, but really again, creating that positive environment, that's what it's going to ripple down to your customers. And that's, what's going to keep having them want to come back and buy your services or upgrade. If it's just a single transaction, you know, they're going to want to come back because people like to buy from people they like, and they want to get services done by people they like. So create that positive culture and environment for your team. And I promise you like that is what's going to grow your company overall. It's awesome. It's great. So total thank fire. Thank you so much for having me on here. It was, it was such a good conversation. I really enjoyed this. Oh, it was great. Yeah. We'll have to have you on again sometime for sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. I'd like that. Um. Thanks for listening to the Focus on Customer Experience podcast. Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. For more information or to connect with Ben, check out Benjamin Del Grosso on LinkedIn at SafeDriveSolutions on Instagram or www.SafeDriveSolutions.ca online. We'll see you next time.